Lord, hear our prayers. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Now hear the reading of God's word. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus, for in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. So ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated, please. This morning we begin a, a new series in 1 Corinthians, and, and I love 1 Corinthians. And there's good news and there's bad news in 1 Corinthians. By the way, let me share that because I know you're dying to know the good news and the bad news, right? The good news is this is a letter written to a church that was having some problems. Why do I call that good news? Because it's not about individuals, right? You want to know the bad news? What makes up the church? Individuals. So guess what? This is a book, a letter written to Corinth, a letter written to Denmark, I guess, a letter written to Sumner Presbyterian Church. We're going to have fun with this. There are days you're going to feel like you're being taken out to the woodshed. And that's okay. And there's days you're going to celebrate because of what God has done for you, for us, for the church, for the Corinthians and the Denmarkians. What do you call a person from Denmark? Danish, of course. Like one of those rolls you have at breakfast. Why do we call this something is rotten in Denmark? Because... Something was rotten in Corinth because probably, no, not probably, but most assuredly, something is rotten in Sumner. Someone has said the church is like Noah's Ark. If it were not for the storm on the outside, no one could stand the stench on the inside. You see, the church at Corinth fit that description. It, it was a mess. It was full of problems. There were divisions. Huh. Sounds like a denomination I know. There was immorality. There was pride. There was selfishness. There was pettiness. You know what we call pettiness here at Sumner Presbyterian Church? One of the terms we've kind of grown to like. Moving deck chairs on the Titanic. Do you understand that term? 
the ship is going down and some people are more worried about the deck chairs than they are about the lives of people. Now, Corinth was that way. In fact, the reports of these problems greatly distressed the Apostle Paul. He mentions this in this letter that he had already sent one letter to him, thinking that one letter would take care of it, and yet it did not, so he sent a second letter. So as we look at 1 Corinthians, really, guess what? It is 2 Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians really is 3 Corinthians. But we don't have the actual 1 Corinthians, so we get to look at 1 Corinthians as we see it in Scripture. Now, if you were to turn back to Acts chapter 18, you would see the church of Corinth described. It was a city of crossroads. Commercial trade came through the city. It was very important, but it was a very pagan city, and there was pagan worship going on. In the city of Corinth was a great temple of Artemis, hosting more than a thousand temple prostitutes. Hmm. That just doesn't kind of fit, does it? <laughs> I had to laugh this weekend. We had our small group, and one of the parents came up to me and said, you know, you mentioned that P word that I just mentioned. I'm not saying it again in case there's kids here. And my daughter asked, what is that? And so I said, well, ask Pastor Steve. It's so fun being a pastor. A thousand of them. Paul had spent somewhere between 18 months and three years getting this congregation started and on the right foundation. However, the influence of the world was more attractive than the influence of the Holy Spirit on many of those who called themselves Christian. Does that sound familiar at all today? Does that sound familiar to us? I, I, I don't think we're a church of a thousand P-words, prostitutes, but is the world's influence great upon some of the Presbyterian church or on the Catholic church or on Calvary or, or any of the churches in town? It's a major, a major problem that there is the influence of the world. And here in the Apostle Paul's letter, it is a harsh letter. And yet this harshness is based on love and the concern for its spiritual well-being. And as we look at this, you're, at times you're going to say, Pastor, you're so harsh here. And, and understand I do it in love. Will you remember that? And don't blame me, okay? I'm just telling you what God's Word says. In love, of course. Oh, am I going to have fun with this one? One commentator notes that Paul's quarrel with the church at Corinth was a lover's quarrel. He loved them despite their problems. He loved them, but he grieved because they failed to become everything that God had intended them to become. Does that fit with us at all? Do you think Sumner Presbyterian Church has become everything that God wants us to be? Do you think we've made it, that we've arrived, that we've come to the place where there's no more growth for us? And the answer to that is most definitely not. Paul understood that unless he loved the church, 
Even a problem church like Corinth, he could never help her overcome her problems. And I guess it is true today, nor can we. You know, we think of the old adage, if you ever find a perfect church, what does it say? Do you remember the adage? If you ever find a perfect church, don't join it. Why? Because you'll ruin it. None of us are perfect. None of us have it all put together. None of us just fit. You see, we know that there's no perfect church. All churches have problems. Of some sort or another, all churches are imperfect. Why are all churches imperfect for some reason or another? Guess why? Because they have what in them? People. People. And we are imperfect. And if we are imperfect, then the church is imperfect. Thank goodness for Jesus Christ. Because through him comes perfection. But what's the problem with that? Where does the church fall down then? If we can be perfect in Jesus Christ and we are not perfect, what's the problem? No, not the pastor. We are the problem. Yes, the pastor. But yes, each one of us. Corinth was no different than Sumner Presbyterian Church. Corinth was no different than any church that you might know, any church maybe you've been to, any church maybe you would want to go to or you've thought of or you've heard of. Every church has its problems. It's made up of imperfect people. So let's see. The problems described in Paul's communication to the Corinthians occur at some time and in some way in every congregation. Well, what were they? Divisions, immorality, pride, selfishness, pettiness. Do we get to be petty here in this church? Do we? Well, of course. Why should we be any different? Of course we can be petty. And yet, here the Apostle Paul teaches, whenever problems and difficulties arise, there are some things that need to be set straight. We're going to look at these things. In fact, let's take a moment and, and look at some of the things that he says here in these first nine verses. We, we're told some things about the Apostle Paul. These are good. I, I like this. See, Paul is not just writing as a fellow Christian. He's not writing as a friend of Corinth. He's not writing even as their founding pastor. He writes as someone who is called or commissioned to do the job set before him. That is ultimately the important thing here. Because it is not the Apostle Paul that is doing this, but it is the Apostle Paul who is called and commissioned who is appointed, as the Greek would say, or chosen by God. He's equipped, he's empowered for the job that was set before him. To what was he called? He was called to be an apostle, a leader, a preacher, a building block for the church. In the original language, an apostle was one who was sent on a mission with authority and power to accomplish that mission. I'm feeling pretty good right now. You want to know why I'm feeling so good right now? 
Well, if the pastor of a church is called or commissioned by God, I'm feeling really good right now. So I be pastor, guess who you are? Parishioners. Now, what's supposed to happen with parishioners and pastors? Well, you all afraid to say it? Let me go back here and say this again. Let's see. An apostle, pastor, is sent on a mission with authority and power to accomplish said mission. You know, the major problem of the people of Corinth and the one that he deals with in this letter is that the people either look to themselves as the source of authority or they look to sources outside the church for authority. You know, when I was called to be a pastor, when Mary is called to be a pastor, we have been given authority by God, by you. When the elders are called to be an elder, do you remember we lay hands upon them and we take vows to follow their leadership? you remember that? That is very biblical. That is very good because they are called as well by God. Now, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. I love that. How come you don't look as excited as I am? They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. See, Paul is reminding the people here of the chain of command in, in any congregation. Who is the head of the church? Be careful now. Jesus Christ. I missed out on that one. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Christ then calls people to serve as preachers and elders and deacons. The authority comes from Christ, and it rests in Christ, and it is Christ in all things. The under-shepherds answer to the head-shepherd, Jesus Christ in all matters. So, you follow the leading of the pastors and the elders and the deacons as long as they are, and I will underline all of those words, as long as they are what? Following Jesus Christ. You see, that's how it works. That is what God has put into motion here. That is what Jesus Christ comes and says, yes, that's the way it should be. And as long as that is done, then the leaders of the church will lead in the proper manner. Hmm. So what's the problem there? The leaders of the church have to be sure that they are doing what Scripture tells them to do. The leaders of the church have a big responsibility, don't they? Elders, pastors... We have a big responsibility to follow Jesus and his teaching. Follow scripture, the word of God. 
Oh, and here I thought I had it so good. And yet now I see the responsibility that is there. So, yes, this passage talks about something about Paul, his calling. It talks about him being an apostle. But this passage also tells us something about the church. There's lots of things in the church. One is it belongs to God. It is a church of God. The price for it paid by the blood of the Son of God. It belongs to God. It is sanctified. What does sanctified mean? It means, yeah, it means cleansed. It means taken care of. It means made right. The old stuff is washed away. (laughs) Why do we want to roll in the same old mud? We want to be sanctified. We want to be made holy in the sight of God. You see, we are called to be holy, and the only way we can do that is through Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, it belongs to God. It's sanctified. It's something bigger than one congregation. In fact, we read there, all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those who come together in Christ, we are to be one together. It's a church that is blessed with everything they need to succeed. Look at verse 5. It says, it tells us that we have been rich in spiritual blessings. It says we lack no spiritual gift. Guess what? You got spiritual gifts. Guess what? You have spiritual blessings and we lack nothing. Well, wait a minute. If we lack nothing, how come we aren't going the way we should go? Well, pastor, we are. No, we're not. We're going pretty well. In fact, we're going really well, but we seem to be lacking. Why is that the case? Let me, let me try this again here. Verse 5 tells us that we have been made rich in spiritual blessings. Do you know you're rich in spiritual blessings? Verse 7 says that we lack no spiritual gift. So if those two things are true, which God's word tells us, then what's the problem? You can answer this. What's the problem? It's the same problem at the very beginning of this message. What was the problem at the very beginning of the message? We are the problem. And we are the problem if we are not sharing those blessings We are the problem if we are not taking those spiritual gifts and using them. Hmm. You know, sometimes some of you have been around long enough to say, you know, I remember when. Have you ever heard that before? If you have parents, you probably have heard that. Or or maybe you've heard something like, you know, if we were just like so-and-so of a church... Have you heard that before? Mm-hmm. You see, today is the best day. Because today we have been blessed. Today we have been given spiritual gifts. Today can be the beginning of a bright future if we use the blessings and the gifts that God has given us. And that means each of us has to do that. Oh, I love this part. 
However, we need to realize that if we'll depend on God, if we work the way he wants us to work and do the things he wants us to do, we don't lack any resource to accomplish what God wants us to do. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Hmm. God will meet all of our needs according to his glorious riches. Is he pretty rich? You think God has it? He has a big bankroll. He's got everything that is needed, you think? Yeah, I think. And so he can do it, but guess who he chooses to do it through? You'd all like to say, well, the pastors, of course. Why would you say something like that? So you don't have to have the finger put on you. But it doesn't say here, the pastors... It talks about the church, that we have the blessings, that we have the gifts. <laughs> I have to laugh when it talks about the pettiness of the people of Corinth. Do you think, here, let's do a quiz here, okay? This is easier on me than telling you this. Where does it say, if it does, does it say anywhere in Scripture that the people complained about the music in the early church. Anybody know a place where it said? Do you remember reading in Acts, and those people hated the music. It was too fast. It was too slow. It was too loud. It was too quiet. It just repeated itself. <laughs> I've heard them all. I don't think anywhere in Scripture it says that, does it? What about the children's department? Do we read anywhere in Scripture where they're complaining about the children's department? No. <laughs> right from the mouth of a child. No, I don't think so either. How about the youth department? Anywhere in Scripture that it says, oh, the youth department isn't what it should be. Do you recall anywhere there? That goes without saying. Thank you. What about the preaching? Anybody? You know, I think the answer to that one is yes. I think we hear about some people who were preaching, do we not? And what was the problem with those that we heard about? They were preaching mistruth. They were not preaching the word of God. Oh, golly, I hate that part. Yeah, that was not a good part, was it? What about, um, what else do we, how about the color of the paint of the walls? Anywhere in scripture you heard about, what about the color of the carpet? Anything about that? What about some other things that we hear in church today? Give me something. What have I missed? What? Parking. What about parking? Hymnals. No hymnals. We don't even open the hymnals. 
That's got to change. It has to be biblical, doesn't it? What else? This is your chance. Okay, be careful. I'm nailing you. Whatever happened to that organ? Thanks, Dan. <laughs> wow. Does it say they wondered what happened to the organ? I want you to go home and I want you to read your Bible and see if you can find what happened to that organ. <laughs> it's great being a church, isn't it? Deck chairs. Does it say anything about winning people to Jesus? Does it say anything about helping the poor? Does it say anything about praying together? Does it say anything? You fill it in. We got to realize, just as the church of Corinth had to realize, that there were priorities and there were not priorities. That there are deck chairs and then there's the Titanic. Hmm. We're going to talk about the Titanic in a little more in a moment. But before we do, I want to go, there are some things that we learn here about Jesus Christ as well. In verse 2, we see Jesus Christ is Lord. Their Lord and ours. He's in charge. He's head over all things. We learn in verses 7 and 8 that Jesus is coming again. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Acts chapter 1, verse 11 says, Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Hmm. Paul reminds us here that things need to be set straight because the church belongs to Christ and he's coming back and he will hold us responsible. I hate being responsible. I want to go back to my childhood where I had no responsibilities, but Christ is going to hold us responsible for his church, for his people, for the lost in the world, for the hungry and the poor in the world, for the disenfranchised in the world. He is going to hold us responsible. You know, I mentioned the Titanic. April 14th, 1912. <laughs> Clear night, North Atlantic, cold waters. People were dancing well into the night. The captain and crew had gone to bed, and they hit that iceberg. This, this Titanic, which was supposed to be, as you know, unsinkable, but all that was needed was some water inside its hull. And the ship went down. You see, this was the problem with the Corinthian church. The church was in the world just as Christ intended it to be. But unfortunately, the world was inside the church. The world's philosophies, the world's morals, the world's priorities had entered into the church. And it was sinking fast. 
Does it remind you of anything today? It should. Because we're in real danger today as a church, as a denomination, as the Christian faith, that as we exist, we are to exist in the world, but we are to not be of the world. Scripture warned us of that. And yet today, we see a church that is full of the world and sinking fast. Revelation 22, verse 12 says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. My friends, we have responsibility. My friends, we are no better, no worse than any other church. The problem is we do not meet the standards that God would have for us, that we are called to be his church, guided by his standards and his principles a big responsibility, isn't it? And yet that is our responsibility. We're going to have fun going through 1 Corinthians. Or not. Something's rotten in Denmark, all right. Then in Corinth and in Sumner and every other church. But let me remind you whose we are. We are Christ Jesus. That is whose we are. And that's what's important. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that we are yours. That even though we are in a world and even though we may be taking on some water as a church, a denomination, as Christians, that we are yours and we can seek you. And it's not too late. Lord, thank you that we can walk with you. And more importantly, that you walk with us. We're yours, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If we could now receive the offering. and heavy as you bear it all alone does the road you travel harbor dangers yet unknown are you growing weary in the struggle of it all If on his name you call, he is always there, hearing every prayer, faithful and true, walking by our side, in his love will hide all the day through. When you get discouraged, just remember what to do. Reach out to Jesus. He's reaching out to you. 
the life you're living Filled with sorrow and despair And does the future press you With its worry and its care Are you tired and friendless? Have you almost lost your way? Jesus, he will help you just come to Remember what to do or reach out to Jesus. You've got to reach out to Jesus. Reach out to Jesus. He's reaching out to You know, this is not rocket science, okay? Uh, you know, you pay us a lot just to teach you things that really is not really difficult. Do you understand that? Did you hear that song? What, what were the words? What, what was the key of that song? Reach out to Jesus. Why? Because he's reaching out to us. <laughs> not rocket science. We reach out to Jesus, he's reaching out to us, all is good. Now, in fact, let, let me read you, this is from our passage, it says in verses 7 and 8, Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift, as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is wonderful news. That's great news, because we know the answer has to be Christ. We know that. And how do we turn the Titanic around? How do we turn the denomination around? How do we turn the church around? We begin right here in this church. We begin right here with each of us. When we are right with Christ... When we are reaching out to Christ, and the Bible says, draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. When we reach out to Christ, when we become Christ-like, because of what the Spirit of God does in us, then the church is going to be Christ-like. Do you understand how that works? Not rocket science, is it? Start here with the least, and as we begin to spread, then the church becomes Christ-like. When the church becomes Christ-like, then the city becomes Christ-like. When the city becomes Christ-like, then the nation or the state and then the nation. I mean, it starts here. So what's our duty? Right here in ourselves to get right with Christ. What have we been doing all these years? <laughs> Just that. Trying to get us right here 
so that then we go out. By the way, you mothers who were losers, <laughs> who didn't get one.